Hello, welcome to Devos with D. As you can see, I'm not Pastor D. My name is Heather Petro, but I'm her guest speaker here this week, and I hope that we can continue on with her uh, wonderful series. Uh, it is what the Bible says about, or maybe what our mother never told us. And my responsibility today is to discuss and go over and share with you what the scriptures say about relationships. So we're going to dig deep. At the same time, there's so much information to cover and there's only a little bit of time to do so. So we're gonna go as deep as we possibly can into each one of these layers of relationships and uh, hopefully it'll stir up our hearts for more. This is Devos with D as an association with the Heights Church. So you would see this on the Heights app as well as uh, YouTube, etc. Again, my name is Heather Petro and uh, welcome to Devos with D. First, I want to say thank you to Pastor D for allowing me to speak today and, and teach the next, next segment of, of this message. Uh, it is a privilege to be here and I am forever grateful to one of my mentors and dear friends. Now, for us who know Pastor D, we all know that she could cover Genesis to Revelation in probably the 30 minutes we have together. <laughs> but uh, I will only cover uh, one scripture and get into that pretty deep and let Pastor D cover the rest of the Bible when she returns from her returns from her vacation. But uh, joking aside, we love you, Pastor D, and we just are so thankful for your knowledge uh, in the Holy Word. The scripture that I want to go over with you guys today is scripture Matthew 22, 37 through 39. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, relationships. This subject is broad, like I said, and it really goes into the heart of who we are by seeing who we are through Jesus and his holy word. How do we approach and understand relationships as God intended in his grand design? First, we must look into how we see God and our relationship with him. Everything else stems from that relationship. Our relationship with Jesus sets the framework and standard for all other relationships in our life. God is sovereign. Therefore, we must view our relationships with all others as God sanctifying us through those relationships. So the definition of sanctify, set apart or declare holy, free from sin, purify. God created us for connection, for friendship, for love, for fellowship, relationships with other people directly relates to how we thrive or may not thrive. What do I mean by this? Look at your relationship with God our Father. 
Do you know him as sovereign? Do you pursue your Lord and Savior, Jesus, with your whole heart? Do you see others as God's creation? Our relationship with Christ sets the standard. So first, we must understand our relationship with him, who he is, and then we can see who we are in him. He is our creator. He made the heaven and earth. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is our healer, our provider, our comforter, our banner, our rock, our foundation, and our redeemer. He goes before us. He never leaves us. He, he establishes us, and he is our friend. He is rich in grace. He is rich in mercy, and he is rich in love. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So who are we? Who are you? You are his beloved creation, a child of the one true king. Our relationship with our parents, our siblings, our spouses, our children, our friends, our relatives, our coworkers, our church family, our neighbors, People in our lives, in this season, in this place, in this time, are used by the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. The sanctifying word of God. God's word exposes our sin. It breaks sin's power to bind us. It dispels spiritual darkness and illuminates our path. God's word actively transforms us to be like Christ as we allow it to work in our lives. Relationships are important for that to happen. Look at John 17, 17 through 19. Jesus is praying to the heavenly father over his disciples and says this, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me, into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So question, what is our frame of mind in each of those relationships that we have? Let's begin with a son or a daughter to our parents. How must we treat our parents? Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Ephesians 6.2-3 Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. It says we must honor our parents in the Lord. Does it say we must honor our parents when they are right and only when they are right? No, it says to honor our parents. Honoring means to have regard with high respect or great esteem. 
When we honor our parents, we are ultimately obeying God, which glorifies his name. We might not always agree with our parents, but we can love them in the way that we honor them. Scripture goes on to say in Ephesians 6, 4, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in training and admonishing of the Lord. So fathers, do not exasperate your children. What does this mean? It means don't frustrate them. Don't lead them in a way to cause them to sin. You have the responsibility of guarding their heart and guiding their heart in the Lord. We are supposed to nurture our children's hearts so that they ultimately see Christ. Both scriptures lead us with a command on what to do, and then it ends with, in the Lord. These commands are not the selfish gain for us, but it directly speaks to our heart for him. We are to do these things in the Lord, honoring our parents and fathers, not provoking our children. We do things in the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you wake up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your hearts and your foreheads with them on the door frames and the houses and on your gates. Oh, excuse me, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I remember getting punished by my father for a lie that I told him when I was younger. When I was just a child, I could do this quite often, sadly. And I deserved to be disciplined. I did lie. However, I was raised in a generation of whoopings. Anybody know what I mean by that? Well, I got a pretty big whooping for lying to my father. As I sat in the chair after my butt was bruised, I heard the phone ring. My mother answered the phone and the phone call was for my dad. My dad told my mother to tell the person that he was not home. He didn't want to answer the phone and so he figured just telling them that he wasn't home would be the most easy way to get out of the phone call. I could not understand why I got punished for telling a lie but my father told a lie and nothing came of it. Well, ultimately we know that God handles the heart 
and the Holy Spirit convicts us when we've done something wrong. But as a child, all I could do was sit there and think about my bruised behind and how my dad just told me not to lie, but then he lies. I'm not saying that we are going to be perfect as parents, but remember our actions and our words say a lot about how we trust God and our kids are watching us. So parents, think about your actions toward your children. Do you, do you say to them, obey the law all the time, but then you speed over the speed limit when you drive? Just food for thought. We want our children to have their own faith and not ride on the faith of our coattails. So we must learn to be parents that reveal Christ to them. Okay, now we're moving on to husbands and wives. Excuse me. Husbands and wives, how does God sanctify us in our marriages? Well, for those of us who are married, we sacrifice for one another, putting the other above ourselves. We mess up, we forgive, we keep trying, and we look to God for how our marriage should be. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through the beginning of 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We hear this scripture a lot at weddings. Why? Because love is a choice, not just a feeling. Marriage is hard and we are selfish. We must remain in God's word so that our marriages can be strengthened by him who created us and created marriage. But let's go back to scripture for just a second. Let's take note of something very important here. And this is where it gets good. Right in the middle of that scripture when it's talking about love is this and love is not this. It says right there in the middle, but rejoices in the truth. Once again, God is sanctifying us in his truth through love, through his word, and with a counterpart in our marriage that sometimes rubs us the wrong way but then we can then again be selfless and put them above ourselves, creating a heart that pleases God. How beautiful is that? Sometimes we just focus on the love part of that scripture, but right there in the middle, it talks about truth, rejoices in the truth. I just so love how God works. Okay, so let's move on. What about your neighbors. Is your relationship with them one of a giving heart? Do you help when they are in need? Do you know who your neighbors are? What their interests are? 
what activities their kids are involved in. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a brief story about my own life. My husband served in the United States Air Force for a little over 20 years. And we had to move around a lot, always the new people on the uh, block, you could say, uh, in the community. We were always the new in town. And sometimes we were the outsider, or I could actually say a lot of times we were the outsider. Our children were too. We had to sacrifice a lot every time we moved. But we learned something every time we moved we learned that we needed to hit the ground running, that we needed to invest in our community and get plugged in as soon as possible so we could make friends right away, so we could feel that connection with others. The good thing about doing this is we made amazing friends over the 20 years, friends that are like family to us. Many Thanksgivings, many Christmases, etc., were celebrated with these friends since our family was many states or sometimes even countries away, depending on where the Air Force moved us. It also meant for a lot of sad goodbyes because we made such good friends, it was hard to leave them. But that being the preface, I will bring you to this one story. We landed in a new location and it was a time where we hit the ground running, my husband in his job, our children in their school, and I unpacked the house. I tried to make our house a home everywhere we lived so that when our family walked through the door, they felt like, okay, yes, we're in a new place, but this is our home. Pictures went up on the wall and things happened throughout the house to make it look as we love. Soon, this snow fell and it pummeled us hard. So my husband went out with the ATV and the snow plow and removed the snow from our long, long driveway. As the same time this was going on, our neighbors were also plowing their long driveways. My husband being the man that he is, loves to help and gets connected with others quickly by giving of his heart and giving of his time. So he went over to help our neighbors plow their driveways. I noticed after a long time that he was not coming back in the house. And so I look out the window and I see all the men from the different houses around our neighborhood gathered in the main street of our neighborhood, standing there, just talking. The snow was still coming down. It was freezing cold, something that I did not want to be in. And they were meeting each other, talking, gathering, laughing in an environment that was for me not suitable, but for them seemed just the right time to connect with the neighbors. I say this because after that, our neighbors became such close friends that we established every month or maybe every quarter that we would get together and have a barbecue where we sat around and laughed and joked and provided food for each other. A neighborhood watch was developed, which was really fun after that because we all knew that each other had each other's backs when it came to vacations and places that we needed to go. We knew our neighborhood was uh, watched over. We watch each other's dogs 
etc., etc., and the list goes on. We made amazing friends. 1 John 3.16 By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. So let's move on. How about your coworkers? What is your work atmosphere like? Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says this, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. Labor in love. There is no place for mediocrity and laziness in God's service. Everything you do is for his glory. Your labor is an expression of your love to God. So if you do all your work as if God is your boss and he is looking over your shoulder, do you please him in your actions and your words? Think about your work, even if it is mundane or maybe the harshest of environments. How do we please God in our work? Well, give an example. What is happening in your job? Is there maybe gossip going on? Do you try and redirect the conversation if gossip arises? Or stand up for the person if they're not there? Or maybe even just give a few kind words to set people back on a track to be considerate and respectful instead of gossiping. Do everything as unto the Lord, in speech, in action, in work. We wanna make sure that when we're doing something behind closed doors, that it's the same as if we had hundreds of people surrounding us, making sure that we did a good job, because ultimately we do, we do our job for Him and for His glory. Okay, so what about your friends? What do those relationships look like? And who are you surrounded with? Well, Jesus had a core group of 12 disciples. They were his dear friends. I heard the quote one time say, friends are family we choose. Who are your core, core group of friends? Do you surround yourself with people who are encouraging? who challenge you to be better. We rise up when we help others rise. Jesus did life with his disciples. They knew each other so well and sacrificed everything for each other. The dearest of friends. What about our relatives, family, close family and maybe not so close family? What are your thoughts and your actions toward them? Do you measure your responses to them through a God filter? Or are you spewing out with no filter at all through selfish and pride-like manner? Our families are a gift, even when we have heard them and they hear us through some of our worst times, hard times. We get to be a part of a family. Hard times and good times, we get to be a part of a family. 
Now, for another little story of mine, I want to share with you something that was hard this year. My father passed away this year. I had flown to Colorado twice to be with my father by his side in the hospital and to be there for my mom and with my sisters as we sat by my father's side in the hospital and they took him off life support. Then I had flown back to Colorado with my husband and my children to attend the memorial service. While on each flight, this is the scripture God showed me and that God laid on my heart for my family. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So let's move on. We only have a short amount of time left. Our church family. Church is the body of believers and not a building. Christ died for the church. He loved the church. Our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ is important in our walk with the Lord. We use our gifts and are eternally minded as we share the gospel with others. God wants us to be connected with fellow believers. And my front door just rang. Somebody came to the door. I apologize. He wants us to be connected with our fellow believers so that he may sanctify us through those relationships as well. Loving one another, serving one another, so that we may be eternally minded, sharing the gospel, which is our great commission by Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Romans 12, 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. God built us for fellowship and relationship. Being a part of his church, being connected, is very, very important as we grow spiritually and our walk with Christ. So this is a really hard topic that I wish I could have more time to get into. But with relationships, um, there are wounds. Wounds that are so deep, they can cause anxieties. Hurts that are so real that lead to bitterness or even depression. I would love to dig deep in this right here because I know a lot of us can be in this position right now, hurt by some relationships, betrayed by our dearest friend. 
Maybe we felt loved at one time by somebody and don't feel that love anymore. These are really, really hard, difficult times to walk through. But I promise you, Jesus is there with you. This subject being as hard as it is, I will leave you with this. Jesus was tempted. He was betrayed. He died on a cross after being beaten. When we are going through our deepest struggles, God is there with us. Jesus knows more than anyone what those real hurts are. Turn to him, cry out to him, and he is there with you. Again, this could lead us down a whole other series of just hurts, wounds, but there is a relief in knowing that Jesus is our hope. There is forgiveness and there is healing. He is our healer. He is the master physician and he can mend and redeem all of it. Everyone has a tear-stained pillow. You're not alone. Our faith in Jesus, that relationship with him makes other relationships work and work for all things to his glory. Your story is crucial. And those quiet moments of struggle are epic moments of battle and God's story of redemption. Share your story. God will use it. To conclude, I give you this scripture, Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I think of that scripture as all caps, K-N-O-W. Be still and know that I am God. I've had to be still many times in my life because I forget this scripture. And God wants to do something in me that I am too busy to be learning about. So whatever you're going through, whatever this time has you in, be still and know that he is God. Dig deep into his holy word and learn from him. He will give you comfort and he will give you rest. So my final questions in your relationships. Do you spend time with God? Do you know him well enough to trust him? God knows me fully. He knows you fully. He knows every part of us and loves us anyway. If he can know all of my worst and still love me, how is it that we don't extend that same love to others? We love him because he first loved us. Do your relationships reflect that love? These are hard questions, but good questions. How can we possibly do anything good in our relationships without God as our example? Remember, 
in your relationships. Good relationships, difficult relationships. God will use those things to sanctify us. To get rid of those things that are not of him. And so that we have the hearts that please him. I hope this word spoke to you today as it did me as I was studying his holy word to bring it to you. Again, thank you, Pastor Dean, and thank you to the Heights Church. We so love Pastor Dean and her devos with Dean. We'll see you guys after she comes back from vacation, and yet she will have another guest speaker next time. Love you, and God's grace.